Hey, podcast listener. Are you working so hard you wonder if the money is even worth it? If you're like most CPAs I work with, you have way too much to do, you feel relentless deadline pressure, and worst of all, you feel torn between serving clients and being with family. What if I told you you could work a 40-hour week without losing a dime? I know it sounds impossible, but my Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind is designed for CPAs just like you who want to get their lives back. Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind is launching soon. In it, you'll learn how to start getting your time back week by week, make your workload manageable while still bringing in plenty of revenue, what to put in your packages and how to price them, and so much more. Don't leave your future to chance. CPA Mastermind will get you on the same profitable path you've been searching for. With unlimited coaching, your success is guaranteed. Go to GeraldineCarter.com to learn more. Dates, times, pricing, it's all there. Will you reject me? Am I kicked out of the tribe if I quit my job and start a business? Will you still accept me? Or will you treat me like a crazy person? Welcome to the She Thinks Big podcast, where you'll hear from women entrepreneurs who are doing good in the world, from spark to screw up to success. Thinking big is in their core. It's in yours and it's in mine. I've traveled to 50 countries and seven continents, done an Ironman, and co-founded a company that has generated millions of dollars for sustainability. My name is Geraldine Carter, and I'm delighted to share with you conversations and coaching with amazing women. Time to get inspired and grow your impact. My guest today is Jody Flynn of the Women Taking the Lead podcast. Jody is a coach for women leaders. She helps her type A clients achieve their biggest goals with ease by identifying and overcoming the obstacles that are getting in their way. And I brought her on so we could talk about all things not good enough. This is something I see a lot of women struggling with in all its forms. I'm not a good enough business owner. I'm not good enough at what I do. I'm not a good enough doctor. I'm not a good enough therapist. I'm not a good enough wife, a good enough mom. I'm not a good enough soccer player, a fast enough runner. I'm not smart enough. I'm not kind enough. I'm not thoughtful enough. Not enough, not enough, not enough in all its forms. And the problem with this line of thinking is that it keeps us playing a small game. So we open up this conversation around all things not good enough to shed some light on it, provide you with some understanding of where it comes from, and then also give you tools for how to handle it so that you can walk with confidence and the belief that you're exactly enough exactly as you are, so that you can reduce the endless anxiety and diminish that background nagging worry, and instead walk with confidence and the belief that you're exactly enough exactly as you are. Here she comes. Welcome, Jody Flynn. Hey, Jody, welcome back to the She Thinks Big podcast. Hey, Geraldine, it's so good to be here. I'm so glad to have you back. <laughs> I'm excited. I invited you on today because I've been hearing all over the place this message that sounds like any variation of not good enough. It runs through my clients and it also runs through most of the women who I interact with in whatever way that is. And I thought it would be really interesting to open up this conversation around all things not good enough and do some exploring. What is this thing that's not good enough? Where does it come from? What's it look like? And most importantly, how to shift out of it. So I'm so excited that you're here to talk about this because I think having the two of us talk about it will make it much more interesting than me just blah, blah, blah about it. 
Yes, this is a meaty topic. It's a scary topic to talk about, right? Well, I think both of us are a little like, oh, we're going to talk about this, <laughs> like not good enough, you know? And um, we've talked in the past about how our clients tend to be very similar um, in their makeup and also in the problems that they're facing and the, the obstacles they're trying to overcome. So you and I tend to just riff on a lot of the same topics. So when you asked me to come on and just have an open conversation about not good enough, I, I, I couldn't pass up the opportunity. I was like, but of course, this is going to be fun. Who doesn't love talking about feeling not good enough? <laughs> <laughs> I say we dive in and just like, let's just unwrap this package. Yeah. So let's unwrap this because he really here's what I want. There are so many women. Well, let me go back to what you said about we attract the same kind of clients. Like you and I both work with high achieving powerhouse women who are super smart. They're on it. They're capable. They're fully competent. And yet there's like this deep pervasive undercurrent of lack of self-confidence and ongoing worry about, is this good enough? Did I do this thing well enough? Am I okay enough? when am I going to be good? Not even when am I going to be good enough, but like, am I good enough? And fundamentally, am I enough? It's baffling. So not only is it baffling, but I have this deep desire for us as women to stop doing this, right? Because we see it around us, it's in ourselves and we keep perpetuating it. And with what's happening in our culture right now with Me Too and when more women running for president and many more women in Congress and so on, I'm like, can we as a group of women go like, you know what, enough of this game. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna continue to believe that I'm not good enough I'm, in whatever way that plays out. I'm not gonna continue to apologize for myself. I'm not gonna continue to ask permission for things that I don't need to ask permission for. I'm not gonna continue to do all these things that are playing small and keeping myself down. And when I see it in other women, I'm going to call them forward and say, hey, Remember, like, let's not do this anymore. So that's the place that I want to come from, the stand that I take for myself and that I want other women to take, though they may, might not want to take it. Right. I should put my agenda on them. <laughs> you know, what's really funny. I just had this thought, like, to answer your question, like, yes, we can overcome this because you and I are practicing it. And we've met other people who, other women who have overcome this. So it is possible. It's, it's definitely a mindset. And the funny thing is, is you and I are not perfect at this, right? But we're no. good enough. We're good enough at feeling <laughs> good, good enough. enough. Good enough for now. Like it's fine. <laughs> right? Like we, we both have moments where something bit like a, a big opportunity comes along and there might be a few moments of like, <gasps> am I ready for that? Have I done enough? Am, am I good enough? Right. At, at the core of it. But then you and I both have the practice of I'm putting that aside and yes, I'm going for this. Right. So it is a practice. So you can overcome. I'm not good enough. You just have to be aware of it and see it for what it is. Yeah, totally. So let's maybe explain it a little bit and dive into what it is it? What is it? And a little bit of where it comes from, just so our listeners are all on the same page about what we're even talking about. Haha. Ha. Okay. So right from um, our initial conversation about this, and I, and I believe you and I have both touched upon this subject on our, each of our own podcasts is the inner critic, right? It's a mechanism of your brain that is designed to keep you safe. 
right? It doesn't care if you are happy. It's one job is to keep you safe. And its strategy is to undermine your confidence. Because if you don't feel confident, you are not going to take risks. And here's the thing, this mechanism in your brain developed when you were in elementary school. So think around the ages of like six to eight years old. And so this mechanism of your brain is, has the maturity level of a six to eight year old right? And it still thinks that you are a six to eight year old too. So it's treating you like a six to eight year old. It doesn't recognize you're a grown woman, that you have had many accomplishments, right? You've graduated from high school. Many of you have graduated from college. You've gone on to start businesses. You're, you're at a high point in your career. You have like done marathons and triathlons and traveled the world, you know, and all you've done all sorts of amazing things. But this mechanism of your brain still thinks you are six to eight years old and doesn't recognize all of those things. So when something new or big or scary comes along, it kicks into action and it starts sending you messages to undermine your confidence. So it will say things to you like, who do you think you are? You're not good enough. You don't have enough letters after your name. You haven't earned it. Remember that time you failed, right? These are the messages that come at you. And ultimately they all boil down to the same message. You are not good enough to do this or to have this. Yeah. And I tend to call those just in this podcast, unintentional thoughts, right? The, somebody's going to find you out. They're going to see that you don't know what you're talking about. You have no idea what you're doing. You have no business being here. Your number is going to be up soon. Whatever that voice says, all those unintentional thoughts that, like you say, just serve to undermine your own confidence. And then you act from a place of those thoughts and those feelings, right? Like you feel unconfident or lacking confidence, and then you make a choice not to do the thing, right? You don't send out the RFP for as much as you think it's worth, right? Or maybe you sit on it for three weeks longer than you should. Or maybe you don't submit to speak at that conference because you don't think they're going to pick you because you think that your material isn't good enough or whatever. Or you haven't written your book yet. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Right. I can't speak at a conference until I've written a book, right? Because everybody knows you have to have written a book in order to speak at the conference or that's what this message tells you. Yeah. So you make choices from a place of believing those thoughts. For my listeners, that's how I frame it on this podcast is unintentional thoughts lead to unintentional feelings, lead to unintentional or unconscious choices and actions. And then you get your results and that's how you create your life. Absolutely. Yes. A lot of it is very unconscious. If you're not aware of it, this will run the show for you. And I know for me early on in my career, in my business, it would like, someone would send me an email saying, I'm thinking about working with you. Can we schedule a call? And my first gut instinct was, oh no, even though... I had been wishing and dreaming and praying to get more clients in my business, right? Because as a business owner, to be successful, you have to have customers and clients and patients. And these people need to come into your business. But it would also scare the bejesus out of me because then I would have to like, uh, air quotes, prove myself, right? They're going to vet me. And what if they don't like me? What if they like think I'm a fraud or, you know, I look stupid or incompetent and that sort of thing? Like the moment where I was 
faced with a situation where someone was going to potentially call me out like was very scary. And so sometimes I wouldn't respond to the email right away or I'd push the meeting off a little bit, right? Because I mean, raise your hand if you lost a potential client because you just procrastinated too long and somebody else came along and, and scooped them up, right? Or they they made a move to do something else. And like, the, and for me, it was very, uh, like I was aware I was afraid, but I wasn't able to immediately overcome it either. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what I think is so interesting about that is that so often we end up creating the very thing we're afraid of creating, (laughs) right? And that like, you've got a fear that I'm not going to get enough clients, whatever. Somebody comes, they give you a buying signal. They're like, yes, I want to work with you. And you're like, but no, that can't be real. But what if I disappoint you? Yes, I'm going to filter that option out (laughs) by procrastinating and not replying to your email for five days. And then that person gets scooped up by somebody else, let's say, and then you have no clients. And now you've just created having no clients because you were fearing that you had no, that you weren't going to have any clients. Right. Because these unconscious messages tell you it's better to have no clients than a whole bunch of unhappy clients. (laughs) <laughs> it's and it's better to have no clients than to call somebody back and have them tell you no right to get rejected <laughs> outright yes 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 <laughs> i'll just reject myself first i'll take the pain out of it for yeah. you yeah oh this wasn't my fault you, they made a decision to go somewhere else i'll save you the trouble of saying no <laughs> i'll just do it for myself <laughs> i'm gonna say no for you <laughs> yep and the other thing that i think is so interesting about that is like <laughs> that it's such a threat to your lizard brain, right? Like that structure is so firmly in place, that fear that you might not be good enough on some level Mm -hmm. that to actually prove that wrong, that in fact you are good enough is so terrifying to your lizard brain that it will do anything to not have that be proven as incorrect, right? And it will come up with all kinds of sneaky ways to make sure that it is safe, like you say, that it is protected and that those beliefs stay firmly in place. Right. It's our it's our need to belong. And it's very primal because there was a time if you were rejected by the tribe, like you couldn't survive on your own. Like, like that was it. Like if you were rejected by the tribe and kicked out and you had to go live off on your own, you would get injured or you would get sick or you wouldn't be able to forage or hunt all the food that you needed. You know, it was, it was a community effort to stay alive. And so you, your, your lizard brain has it very hardwired. If you are rejected, right? If you are found lacking, if you hear no, like that all for our brain goes back to, I'm getting kicked out of the tribe. I don't belong. I'm going to die right? It can feel that scary. And you have to remind yourself, it was just a no. Everything's fine, right? (laughs) Like, even if it's true, they don't like me, (laughs) right? I'm going to be okay. Like, this is not life or death. But sometimes our brain tells, sends a message that, oh my God, this is life or death. You cannot get rejected. It does have that quality to it, right? That it is life or death and that, and that creates that fear of like holding on and clinging. Like people will cling to their beliefs and they will just like refuse to set them down and refuse to let them go because they're just, they get so hardwired in there. 
Right. Like there are beliefs, certain beliefs become capital T true. Right. right. We we can't imagine an alternative because our identity is too wrapped up in the belief and how we're living our life is too wrapped up in the belief. It's like they hold on to it because the identity, because their identity is wrapped up in it. And it would be such a threat. Like, who am I if I if I didn't believe this thing, this thing that I has been so much a part of the foundation or the scaffolding of my life? Who would I be? If this were no longer true, if there were no holds barred. Yeah. (laughs) Like I can't even imagine what I would look like or feel like, or how I would exist. If this old deep belief were just a bunch of BS, like how could that be possible? You know, you just said something that triggered for me, something I've come to realize about my own clients. I don't know if this is true for your clients is there was just at one point, a string of clients who I came to realize what they needed most from me, even though they didn't really need it from me, was permission to move forward. Mm -hmm. Right. They just wanted someone else to say, yes, you can do that. Yeah, that's perfectly fine. You can apply to speak at a conference without writing your book first. You can leave this job and start a business And you don't have to explain yourself to your family, right? You don't, you don't be, because the thing is, it's like the only person you need permission from is yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes we don't realize that we get very entrenched um, in our experience, whatever's going on or our situation, waiting for somebody else to give us permission. And they don't realize they need to give us permission for us to move forward because it's, we're the only person we need permission from to move forward. That's not to say you don't have a conversation with your family, like, Hey, I'm doing this, but you know, and the client I'm thinking of, it was actually her extended family, right? It wasn't like a partner. She, who, you know, they shared financial responsibilities. She needed permission from her parents and her sister and and she was a grown woman. Right. And this comes back to like, is this okay? If I do this, am I okay? Right. Will you reject me? Am I kicked out of the tribe if I quit my job and start a business? You know, will you, will you still accept me or will you treat me like a crazy person? Oh, interesting. Like she, for her, it was really about how her family was going to perceive her for her choice. Well, will I be a disappointment? Yes. You know, or will you like, okay, here's, here's something that definitely I know is going to resonate with women. Will you be angry with me? Will you be disappointed with me? Right. Well, I have displeased you mm-hmm. so that you're no longer extending your love to me. You know, how many of us are afraid to have a conversation with somebody or to set boundaries or set expectations and hold to them because we're like, oh, they won't like that. <laughs> they won't want to be around me if I set boundaries. <laughs> Which in fact, the opposite is so true, right? It's so nice to be with people who have clear boundaries and it's so uncomfortable to be with people who have messy and unclear boundaries. Yes. And I found, especially in relationship with men, I know a lot of women hate having the setting the boundaries conversation with a man or setting expectations with them because they're like, oh, they just want someone who's like casual and free and easy and go with the flow and that sort of thing. And if I'm setting boundaries, he's going to head for the hills. And anecdotally, I have had the opposite experience that when I start initiating a boundaries conversation, like the man I'm talking to gets super focused. 
and like almost like excited, like, oh, you're you're setting boundaries. You're standing up for yourself. Uh, Like uh, like as you know, coming across like a confident woman, kind, compassionate, Mm -hmm. you know, like I'm not like blaming him or making him feel bad or anything like that. But this is what's important to me. This is the way I need to live. Here's how I want to conduct myself. And so this is how we need to change how things are going. Like my experience has been like every man I've had that conversation to, and it could be a romantic relationship or not. It does not have to be within a romantic relationship. They've been like, whoa, look at you. All right. (laughs) Like, okay. You know, and so we get, we, in our heads, we have this fear that like, I'm going to get rejected. They're not going to want to do business with me. They're not going to want to be in a relationship with me, but it's, it's, we're building it up in our heads. It's not necessarily true. And how many of us have had that hard or difficult conversation? And after the fact went, I wish I'd done that a while ago because that wasn't that bad. <laughs> I thought that was going to be way worse and it was not bad at all. In fact, it was a good conversation. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing like standing up for yourself and not in a mean or aggressive or anything way and just saying, this is what works for me and this is what doesn't work for me. Yes. And with your clients too, mm-hmm. you know, um, like our clients want to know that we have some boundaries that we're not available 24 seven, Yes, you know, that we will need them to give us 24 hour notice before they cancel or unless it's an emergency, right? You decide your own boundaries on that. Do they have to, you talked about this on a, on a previous episode, like do they get charged for an appointment that's canceled within 24 hours or not, but just set the expectation and let them know like people are happy as long as they know what the expectations are, you can't spring things on them. But if you set boundaries, you set expectations and you communicate them clearly, people are happy. Yeah. People want to know what the boundaries are. And when somebody doesn't have any boundaries or the boundaries are very weak, it's very confusing to the other person because they don't know where they stand. Not having clear boundaries is an outcome of your belief that you're not good enough, not worth it. Yes. X, Y, Z. Not having the conversation because you're not good enough. Yes. Also falsely believe that you have the power to please whoever person and therefore you withhold whatever it is that you might say. Or that's, it's a little bit of a tangent, but when we believe that we have the power to either disappoint another person or please another person, then we're outside our lane, right? Because we don't have the power to change how people feel right? We can do things that predictably might be upsetting to somebody, but still how they feel about it is their own purview. So we get stuck believing that if I don't speak up for myself, or I don't want to speak up for myself because they might be disappointed. I don't want to ask for what I want because they might think I'm being too overbearing, right? And so now we're suddenly in the other person's head as if we can control what they want or what they feel. I think what's important to pull from that is that these are manifestations of these whole series of beliefs, right? Not asking for what you want. When an offer comes that way, that isn't what you want. You say yes to it anyways. Having reduced rates in your business, undervaluing what you charge in your business. Yes. Giving discounts before they're asked for because you assume the other person's not going to pay you what you're going to quote. I think not setting clear or lofty goals for yourself because either you think that you can't get there anyways or what's the point not asking more from your team 
I mean, that that's a big one too. Like not feeling good enough is definitely um, at the core of being a people pleaser as well. So if you're the one doing a ton of work and you're not delegating it to people who could take it on because you're feeling like, oh, I feel burdened. I don't want them to feel this bad. That's because you don't, you don't feel good enough. Like you think they're going to like be unhappy or reject it, the work or want a different job. So if you have team members that are not producing, you know, or meeting expectations and you're working harder than they are, that is a symptom of not feeling good enough. I love that one. Cause it's like a real blind spot, right? Not wanting to ask people to perform at a higher level. Yes, I have two clients right now who are having a hard time ho- calling their team to higher performance and delegating work to them because they're like, well, I get a sigh and an eye roll. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> not, not without compassion, you know, but it's also like, and you pay them and they have the bandwidth, right? They could take on more work, correct? They, they're not overloaded. And they're like, no, but I, you know, I already feel bad about the amount of work I'm doing. I don't want them to feel bad, you know, that sort of thing. And it's like, okay you know, that we need to unravel this. Yes. And there it is, right? I don't want them to feel bad as if we have control over other people's feelings. Exactly. Yeah. So instead, I'll just feel bad on your behalf <laughs> because right. I want I'll take to be it. uncomfortable doing work. Right. Therefore, I'll do more work. I'll yes. just take it on myself. This is the lunacy of it all, I guess, is that you don't want to put more work on other people because you, you don't want them to feel as bad as you feel, right? Because they'll be terribly burdened yes. by that. But there's also an underlying thought of, but I can handle right. it. And they can't. Exactly. Right. So as much as you don't feel good enough, you, you know, you're a very, you, you're a very capable workhorse right? I can do this amount of work. I can handle this level, but they can't. Which is a really kind of interesting thing to tug at, right? Like, is that martyr or is that arrogance? Like what is going on there? I think it's depending, it shows up differently because with the two clients, it's coming from a different place. One, it's martyr. And the other one, I would say it's judgment. Mm -hmm. Like it's judging other people. Like, other people don't meet their expectations. This is someone who has very high standards, very high expectations. This is where perfectionism comes from, right? If you are a perfectionist or a recovering perfectionist, and I think a lot of people listening to this podcast would self-identify that way, um, there is a judgment towards people who don't operate at that level, that they are not competent or capable, what have you. But it's the judgment that holds us back and keeps us from delegating. They are competent. They are capable. But they just don't operate this at the same level you operate at, right? Their, their, their priorities or their values are in a slightly different place. But that's not to say that they're not smart. It's not to say that they can't do the work. It just won't be done at the level you perform it. Like, or done how you want it performed. So there's the judgment against other people is oftentimes what causes a perfectionist to hurl straight towards burnout because they will do everything themselves and not delegate it or give it away or hire or outsource or anything like that. 
And what is almost comical, but not really funny is at the heart of it all, they are a perfectionist because they don't feel good enough. And there's this quote that somebody once said to me, and apparently I needed it at the time, (laughs) which was, I seek your approval so that I won't notice that I refuse to give it to myself. Oh, that's a good one. That's, that's like a brain bomb. That's going to plant and blow up. (laughs) (laughs) Say it again. Say it again. I seek your approval so that I won't notice that I refuse to give it to myself. This is going back to the only person you need permission from is yourself. Yeah. So I keep looking outwardly for other people to tell me that I'm good enough because I refuse to tell myself that I'm good enough. Yes. The person who doesn't feel good enough has a constant need for other people to tell them that they are amazing. Mm -hmm. Right. And I, I totally get that. And I acknowledge that about myself. I, I am that girl sitting in the classroom who wants the gold star, who wants to get my, <laughs> my homework back with like in red pen saying, good job, exclamation point at the top, right? Excellent. <laughs> you're okay, Great Jody. Work. You know, <laughs> you're a superstar, right? Those validating things coming from the outside world telling us that we're good enough because on the inside, we are completely lacking yes. that validation. We are depleted of that. Yes. And what I notice in myself is like, this will occasionally pop up for me when I go into seeking approval for somebody and I'm not getting it. And I'll like keep doing these small behaviors to keep seeing <laughs> if I can get some approval. Yeah. <laughs> but I keep not getting it. And then I feel really small inside and I'm like, mm, this person doesn't like me. <laughs> and I'm like, wait a minute, what am I doing? <laughs> when you catch yourself, like if I send one more message hoping to get yes. <laughs> like, the response I'm face emoticon in a PM. Like, I'm gonna look completely pathetic. And now I'm right. I'm, I'm seeing I know, it. I know. Yes. And I'm like starting to degrade myself, wearing myself out for this person's attention. I'm not getting it. How about I stop? Mm -hmm. It's it's not about that. (laughs) So, okay. So now that we have a feel for what this looks like and how it plays out, the next question becomes, what do you do? How can you change this dynamic that's at play? Well, one thing I was thinking about was, you know, they could hit rewind, (laughs) this this episode or hopefully they you know if you're listening you've really captured like some of the symptoms of not being good enough like really recognize like this is the consequence of this feeling and i think sometimes when we become aware of how much pain this feeling is causing in our lives we're willing to do something about it like if we don't see the problem we won't do anything about it but if you get really cognizant like i want I want you, the woman who is listening, to really think about all of the behaviors you display or the lack of actions you take because you don't feel good enough to take them. And what is this costing you in your life? And really just have more awareness around this or get together with some friends to talk about this and really get into the nitty gritty of this relationship failed because of this. I lost this many clients last year because of this. I didn't submit to speak at these conferences, associations, or events because of this. Like, What are all the things you've done or not done as a result of not feeling good enough? Mm, Yes. 
And I want to jump in with something that I kind of harp on in my podcast, which is the separation of thoughts and feelings. And that I'm not good enough is very much a thought and not a feeling. And even though we often talk in terms of like, I feel like I'm not good enough. I want to know the actual physical sensation inside of your being when you hear the thought in your head, I'm not good enough. And to be able to separate those two, because it becomes much easier to falsify the thought. It's very, whereas the physical sensation in your body, you're not going to falsify, right? Like the feeling that you have inside of you is real. So I wanted to just call that out and separate those and add on. It may also help you to identify the payoff that you get out of doing these behaviors, or if it's not a payoff, you could think of it like there's some positive purpose, right? And like you were saying at the beginning, there's, it is all a protection mechanism around supposedly keeping you safe, right? So if you can just recognize that there has been a positive purpose to this all along, because I don't want you to use it, you the listener, as one more way to beat yourself up. Right. Because so often what we do is, you know, we have these thoughts that are hard enough on ourselves as they stand. And then in addition to it, we'll go like, oh, my God, I can't get rid of these stupid thoughts. Like, why am I so bad at this? (laughs) And we use (laughs) having the I'm not good enough feelings and acting out of them as one more way to be hard on ourselves. Yes, I used to. In one realm, I used to call it like, I judge myself for being judgy. I hate that I'm judgmental. (laughs) Right. Like, why am I being so judgmental? I'm such a bad person. Oh, it's too funny. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. It's like you beat yourself up. It's like the, um, the door into a kitchen that swings in both directions, right? Like it hits you in the butt when you go in, it hits you in the butt when you go out. It's like, stop getting yourself coming and going like enough. Just stop. Notice that it's happening. Remember that there is a positive purpose to it. And it's just like in meditation when your thoughts wander and you're like, oh, look, my thoughts are wandering. You don't use it as an excuse to be difficult on yourself. You just come back to the breath. And then that's it, right? So when you're doing it, when you're being hard on yourself, when you're noticing this, I'm not good enough stuff, you just notice it and go, oh, look, I'm doing it. And you could laugh at the, I love how you use the word lunacy. You could laugh at like, oh, look, I'm doing it again. Like, how ridiculous is this? How about I not do it? And then you just come back to center and you think a different thought that's going to support the action that you want to take instead. Oh my gosh, you just, uh, I'm going to talk about Harry Potter. So there's <laughs> there's a part of the story in Harry Potter where they're learning how to um, overcome a, a, what's called a bogart. And what a bogart is, is it has no physical form because essentially when you were in the presence of the, the um, I, I hope I'm pronouncing it right, um, bogart or bogart, it is takes there a pronunciation on, dictionary for Harry Potter? Like there's got to be out there. But essentially this thing takes on, it manifests into your greatest fear. Mm-hmm. And the the spell that you cast to overcome the bogart is ridiculous. Like basically, <laughs> it's a play on the word ridiculous. You overcome your fears by making them ridiculous. So if you can laugh at yourself, yes. if you can laugh at your fear, you diminish its power over you. Right? Com. That's why comedy and humor are so powerful because they diminish fears. Mm, I love that. Mm -hmm. 
Another thing I want to offer that um, a coach I had gave me one time um, to overcome this exact experience of thoughts that turn into feelings that undermined our confidence um, and good enough is she's like, just have it be 60%. Like Mm -hmm. if it's 60% where you need it to be, you can ship it. And like my, in my like type A perfectionist brain, I was like, that's a D. I know. Like you're asking me to perform at D level. <laughs> She's like, can you do a B? Can you do 80%? Like get it to 80%. Because if you think about it, and a lot of my clients do this, burn so much time and energy trying mm-hmm. to over deliver. They lower yes. their own price point because they do way more work than is promised. They provide way more to their clients than the client is paying for. So and I, I remember saying this to one client and she, she was just blown away by it. And it was, it was the truth. And I said to her, I go, your good enough is better than most people's best. Mm-hmm. And if you're a perfectionist, you do not have an accurate understanding of what is good enough, right? Because to you, knocking it out of the park is meeting expectations. That's it. Like you are expected to knock it out of the park every single time. You need to have a home run or it was the failure, right? So it's resetting, you know, your own expectations of yourself. If you can deliver at 80%, you are providing excellent service because you're good enough is better than most people's best. And here's the thing about that. I take the vision of knocking it out of the park is there's no amount of knocking it out of the park that is going to prove that you're good enough. Mm -hmm. No, it doesn't. There's no amount of perfectionism that is going to make you believe that you are okay. There is no amount of whatever it is like making a ton of money or being famous or any outward thing that is going to prove your okayness, because that is just not how it works. And we keep trying to do all these outward things in order to prove to ourselves that we're okay. And we're exhausting ourselves. (laughs) And fundamentally, it just doesn't work that way, because you are exactly okay, and exactly enough and exactly perfect and exactly right exactly the way you are right now. And there's nothing you need to do that is ever going to change that. Right. So you can stop doing all the things. Right. It's an internal job. And I think that's what's... It's an, inter- it's an inside right, job. Right. And that's what's important for everyone to get. And I think it's pretty well known at this point that, um, and Oprah Winfrey talks about it um, in, in several of her speeches where at the peak of her career, the most successful woman in the world ridiculously rich, you know, like everybody knows who she is. They know her face. They know her name, had a crisis of confidence and fell into a depression because she didn't feel good enough, right? There's no amount of achievement that will cure not feeling good enough. So it's not going to happen by accomplishing the next thing and doing the next thing and getting the award or the ribbon or the certification or the degree or anything like that. Or the gold star says, good gold job, exclamation stars, point. People saying, wow, you're amazing. None of that will cure not feeling good enough. You have to give yourself permission to just be good enough. So that's the call to action for our listeners. 
Will you give yourself permission to believe that you are just good enough exactly as you are? Thank you for coming on the She Thinks Big podcast again. I can't wait to have you on a third time. Always a pleasure, Geraldine. It's always a treat to have Jody on my podcast. One of my main takeaways was to continue to be a keen observer of all the different slippery and clever ways that believing not enough plays out in my clients' lives and in their businesses. I also promised you some questions for how you can help yourself when you're caught in the line of I'm not good enough thinking. So try these on and see what works for you. You could ask yourself, what do I need to believe instead? Or what do I want to believe instead? What if I believe the opposite of what I'm currently believing? What would happen right now if I changed this line of thinking? If I fully 100% believed in myself, what would be different? Or when you envision the person that you want to be, the person that you're becoming, imagine yourself getting really anchored in who that person is and ask her, what does she believe about herself? I really like that one because then you imagine yourself stepping into the person that you want to become. Or here's another one. If you're really stuck doubting yourself, List out 10 ways that you are exactly enough. And remember that what you believe is a choice. So the last question becomes, what in this moment will I choose to believe? Listeners, I'm curious to know what your main takeaways were and what you got out of this episode. I hope you'll share in the She Thinks Big Facebook group. If you're not a member, come and join us. Search She Thinks Big on Facebook. So remember that lightning strategy sessions go up in price on May 1st. Lightning strategy sessions are great for solving one or two big problems that are in your way in your business. You can also clarify your priorities and create a plan that works for you. If you book a lightning strategy session before May 1st, you have 12 months to make use of it. If you want to know more, head on over to my website, shethinksbigcoaching.com and click on the work with me tab. All right, ladies, thank you so much for listening. That's it for me for today. Have a great week. Hi again. Would you rather spend your weekends outside playing or at your desk? In Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind, we put an end to overworking while maintaining revenue. Go to GeraldineCarter.com to learn more. Dates, Times, pricing, it's all there.